Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. On this episode, I interviewed Colin Bedell of Queer Cosmos. Colin is a horoscope writer at Cosmopolitan Magazine and has recently published a book called A Little Bit of Astrology, An Introduction to the Zodiac, as well as a forthcoming book called Queer Cosmos, The Astrology of Queer Identities and Relationships. Colin was a speaker at the 2017 Sister Giant in Washington, D.C., and also at a recent online summit called Fresh Voices in Astrology through Astrology University. Besides being an astrologer, Colin works intimately with A Course in Miracles, and I invited him on the show to learn more about miracles and how we can develop a deeper connection to them. So we talked about A Course in Miracles and, of course, astrology. In The Course of Miracles, a miracle is defined as the transition of fear to love. So miracles occur when we make choices and take actions based on love rather than fear. And, you know, I feel like that's at a vibrational level, right? And part of our spiritual work is about connecting to the universe and connecting to truth and finding that place in ourselves where we have the faith to be able to act with love rather than the kind of protective fear-based mechanisms that we may act from otherwise. And I think we all have very intimate ways of approaching you know, how we move from fear to love. Something that comes to mind for me is how we have these patterns and conditioning from culture. And, you know, even at a biological level, whether that's, you know, from reptilian to like mammalian and just like the kind of survival of the fittest-esque kind of vibe where, you know, we developed ways of surviving. And so we have survival consciousness within us and then also like ancestral stuff, ancestral trauma. So we have these like biological things cooked into us um, that could relate to having these fearful um, or reactive kinds of consciousness. And then of course there's cultural stuff, but perhaps they're all intermingled, you know? And I think part of being on a spiritual path is this consistent self-inventory, like, does this thought that I'm having really belong to me? Um, is this thought really true? Like, should I invest in it? And I know that Colin is also a meditator, and I think that um, something that I observe about people who do meditation is that they have like a really nuanced relationship to discernment of their thoughts, and they're not necessarily believing all their thoughts. So I also love prayer. I talk to the universe. Um, I'll also call that God or source. And I talk to the universe all day, every day, pretty much, um, especially if I'm alone, I will just talk out loud <laughs> to the universe. Um, but I get into prayer ruts sometimes, which sounds weird to say, but I do. Um, sometimes it's just like, you know, if you keep that relationship to the universe completely insular, um, it can get stagnant, just like any relationship with a person may get stagnant if you don't have other things going on. So I do love hearing about how other people pray or connect to the universe. It always inspires me to connect in new ways. And I mean, I've had serious breakthroughs spiritually just from hearing other people talk about their relationships to spirit. So that's part of why I also want to have guests on to talk about things like this, because I know that it's really powerful. So I hope you find inspiration in this episode about how to connect to source, perhaps in new ways, and to create miracles. 
Colin is someone who is always lifting other people up, and you can probably tell from the episode, but I'm also no stranger to this, seeing how he interacts with people on social media and just the general attitude from which he approaches his very uplifting, inspiring, and grounded writing. Um, So I hope you enjoy. Hi, Colin. Welcome to the Magic of the Spears. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm honored to be here, Sabrina. Thank you for having me. And so just for the listeners, I just want to share a cool experience that we had in New York City together. Yes, we Um, did. So when I went to New York, it was a family trip with my mom and my brother. And this thought crossed my mind of, I wonder if I'll run into Colin Bedell when I'm in New York. And I felt this kind of like lightness or tingly feeling about it. And I was like, I know it's going to happen. Mm. And then... I mean, I don't know New York City as well, so you could probably tell the next part of the story better than me. (laughs) (laughs) So then I'm on 12th Street yapping away with another Gemini right near my school. And Sabrina and I collide into each other on 6th Avenue and 12th Street in a city of 10 million people. And it happens all the time. But it was especially weird for us because that's exactly how we met at Norwalk 2016. Just a random kind of meet cute. And then here we are, boom, colliding into an intersection in Manhattan which is kind of improbable. I can't believe it. Oh my God. I actually forgot about our meeting at Norwalk. Like yes. I, we were in an audience together and you raised your hand and said something so amazing. I had to go oh. up to you after and be like, who are you? Let's be friends on Facebook. I'm blushing. Oh my God. I love <laughs> you so was, much. Thank you. I love you too. <laughs> it was Mutual Alan Oaken speaking, right? Yeah. Oh, that was the one? Yes. And yeah. he was talking about our generation. Well, no, other people were talking about our generation. Do you remember? What? Yeah. I like vaguely remember it, but of course I got very defensive because you people said- love to be like those wacky millennials. Go ahead. Yeah. I think you were talking about like how the structures that we inherited are breaking down. So of course we're acting the way that we are. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of the impression that I got. Yeah. So that, yes, because everybody was com- like, these people were complaining that our generation doesn't want to work and doesn't want to, you know, adapt to what's happening. And I think I likened it. And I said, no, no, we're the Titanic that just crashed into the iceberg and we're not going to be getting, you know, buckets and getting the water out. You know, we are getting off the sinking ship because it's broken and it's sinking and we're done. We're not going to keep this thing alive. It's dead. Bye bye. They don't Scorpio power. (laughs) High five through the ether, baby, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I reached out to you to talk about A Course in Miracles. And I I saw you talk about it and I got tingles everywhere. I'm like, I need to know more about A Course in Miracles and I want to hear about it from you. Um, And I guess before that, I'd love to hear about your background. So what brought you to both astrology and A Course in Miracles? Oh, that's great. So astrology definitely happened first because I uh, heard about it for the first time when I was about 11 or 12 years old because my mother had read Linda Goodman's Sun Signs and it was just one of her kind of seminal texts. And really ever since then, I've always been fascinated kind of by the human condition and why people do what they do. And and she, she always made a point to say that she is a cancer, which is the sign of motherhood. She's a double cancer. In fact, cancer rising, cancer sun. And that she had a pair of Gemini twins as children. And I am a Gemini and a twin. So it just sort of became part of the vocabulary in our house. And then I took it to like a whole nother level because my mother didn't know about like natal charts and all of that. But I really, you know, accelerated it there when I was like 
like 16, 17. And it was just a part of my day-to-day life experience and conversations and things like that. And then I found A Course in Miracles of My Jupiter Return when I was 24 years old. So that was right after my first heartbreak. And it just completely leveled me. And like they say in AA, your best thinking got you here. And where did my best thinking get me? Heartbroken and miserable. <laughs> so I was like, well, damn, what should I do? And then I, it's funny, I just remember this for the first time this year, even though it was six years ago. It was the very first time I prayed out loud in almost like 15 years. And I said, okay, God, whoever's up there, if you can hear me, help me. And then the next thing I know, I'm I'm on YouTube and I'm watching this woman named Marion Williamson talk to Oprah Winfrey about forgiveness and all of, of all these extraordinary concepts. And she kept talking about a book called The Course in Miracles. And I was like, what the hell is this? Because my, my heart leapt at it. It was like, this is for you. This is for you. And then I started reading it uh, in, when I was 24. And I completed the workbook when I was 27. And now I'm on my third go around at 29 years old. So it's a self-study program of universal spiritual themes, right? And what it's here to do is train the student to unlearn the thought system of fear that dominates the world, which then dominates our thinking, to remember the thought system based on love, which is actually our natural thought system. So the first volume of the course is the text, and it's pretty much the metaphysical principles that really operationalize the universe. I mean, it's extraordinary. And then the second volume is the workbook, which is the crux of the course. And it's 365 workbook lessons that are textured by the text right? And then the third volume is just a manual for teachers. So it has already uh, questions that were asked and what the inner dictation is that, that would answer those questions. So I, I love it. If it's for you, you know it. If it's not for you, <clears throat> that's fine too. But I just knew it was for me and it works every day that I apply it. So I love it very much. Yes. So what's a miracle? Ooh, good question. So I've heard it defined different ways, but it, the course defines it uh, very simply as a, a shift in perception from fear to love. That's it, right? And it's so beautiful because it it really is that simple and it really is that easy and it really is that transformative. Because what the course breaks down is the fact that there are only two emotions, love and fear. Everything comes from either one, right? So when we shift from fear to love, a miracle has occurred. And we see the transformative effects in those miracles whenever we make decisions based on love. And I, it really is the, the quickest way to operationalize spiritual and metaphysical power in your life is thinking and walking and breathing and, and, and feeling with love as often as you can. Yeah. So what are the, the fear-based, you know, what are the assumptions or the things in our culture that are, you know, fearful and how do we step I out I love of that. Those? And we can actually connect this to astrology beautifully. So if anything comes up with your Pisces placements, please tell me because I'm sure you'll get a download. Okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> one of the things that dominates obviously a fear-based world is separation, comparison, and scarcity, right? And astrology directly repudiates all three of those things. It does, right? Because the zodiac wheel is a representation of how we are already one. We are each other. One zodiac Mm -hmm. sign cannot exist without the other. It just can't happen, right? So we're all one. And then it repudiates comparison, which is a fear-based thinking of the world, because what it says is each and every one of us has a specific function to fulfill. No more or less special than anybody else's. So like, mind your business and do your best, 
right? And then, so it's it's comparison, scarcity, and separation. So, and scarcity is the idea that when we, uh, it repudiates scarcity by recognizing that when we allow our nature to be its fullest nature, then the universe will conspire with us so that we are lifted to divine maximum possibility and manifestation. Why would the universe give you your natal chart without the means of its accomplishment? That wouldn't happen, right? So if you have this natal chart, why do you then ascribe to scarcity? Nature supports nature. Life supports life, right? So all three of those things are directly repudiated through a serious spiritual inquiry, like A Course in Miracles and particularly astrology. And that's the fear-based thinking of the world. Go ahead. Wow. I mean, so self-criticism or thinking that one has a bad chart or something is a form of like scarcity or fear, I think fear, it's a form right? of self-annihilation. Absolutely. Because according to the Course of Miracles too, <clears throat> the ego's primary dictate, the ego, the small separated self, so the, the fullest expression of the fear-based world is that the son of God is guilty. Right? Now, if it can't find other people to project guilt on, it then projects guilt on ourself. So when we find guilt within our chart, we are self-annihilating. That's not to say that our charts are perfect. That's not to say that we don't have racket that we need to work at. But for us, like, oh, well, I have Venus square Saturn in my eighth and 12 houses. What am I going to do? Well, you're going to manage the fact that you're going to have difficulties with intimacy because you're afraid of abandonment. And as soon as you operationalize help with that, then I'm sure you'll be in a healthy relationship. <laughs> you know? Wow. <laughs> right? Like, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's just so well said. And you picked a good example, too, of a, a difficult yes. assignment, right? Of that Venus Saturn. <sighs> and um, yeah. And that actually reminds me of something you've talked about with like divine yes. assignments. Can you say more yeah. about what so those are? So, of course, the miracle says that we are assigned to each other. So central casting, God, universe, whatever language you want to use, assigns people to others. And the assignment's outcome, hopefully, is soul growth given and received, right? So when we think about relationship compatibility, often we are positioning it to kind of have this cheap, fun, fast and easy thing, right? Where this person doesn't trigger me and I don't trigger them. And since we're getting along, we're compatible. But we don't always actually find growth there because we find complacency and boredom there. Right. So what the course says is that through soul growth given and received is actually the primary outcome of the assignment. And then it makes the distinction, which I love as well, in terms of content versus form. So worldly fear based egoic categorization thinking gets really obsessed with the form of a relationship. Right. Meaning, well, we're boyfriend and girlfriend or we're boyfriends or we're girlfriends or this person has to do this the way that I wanted in order for me to get my needs met. Form, form, form. Really enchanted by the level of the superficial. But the real measurement of relationship compatibility is the content. And the content is always love, compassion, mercy, tenderness, benevolence and altruism and complete communication given and received. Whether or not that takes two weeks, whether or not that takes six months, or you're assigned to this person that you have that assignment for a lifetime, more power to you. But it's not about the form. It's not about the time spent together. Or is it about physical proximity, right? You could have an enormously spiritual, successful relationship with somebody on the opposite side of the world. Because we also know that it's true that we can have a terrible spiritual relationship with somebody who sleeps in our own bed every night for a decade, so physical proximity means absolutely nothing. And it even says in, in the course two in one of the first workbook lessons that relationships occur in the mind only. And isn't that such a, tr- isn't that so true? 
that like even when people are no longer in physical proximity to us, we're still thinking about them because relationships only occur in the mind anyway. And however you create a, a, a context of relationship in the mind is the only place the relationship occurs anyway. So, yeah. Well, does this also have to do with like this person who's on the other side of the world, who's related to you? Do you even have to know them or are we all in relationship to each other mm. without necessarily making contact? I think contact? we're all in relationship to each other always because we are one. We are each other. But the universe assigns the people in physical proximity by which you do have a maximum opportunity for soul growth. So both are true. And when, and like, okay. say, for example, you and I, Sabrina, we're in this relationship together and recording this podcast and as friends and colleagues that then hits like a tidal effect and like a, like a seismic boom to our relationship to shared humanity. Cause we, we're, there is no separation. There's no place where you stop and I, and I start because it's once again, it's not about the form. It's about the content of the trust and the solidarity and the friendship and the love and the loyalty between two people, which then can help but spill over to the rest of humanity. And then, so someone who's like looking for a relationship or they want that, like, okay, I'm ready for my soulmate, you know, what would you or what would the Course in Miracles say about well, that? I actually am going to delegate this to Brian Weiss, who is a very successful teacher of past life regression therapy. And what he says is that we don't choose when we meet people. It's especially soulmates. It's already or it's already divined. It's already going to happen. But what does occur is the free will when the relationship assignment begins. So if someone's ready for your soulmate, then what I would say is, okay, well, don't be concerned about what they're going to look like, what they're going to do, what they're going to wear and what kind of impact they're going to have on you. You want to make sure that you have the mental, emotional, psychological and spiritual tools to handle that capacity of love when it knocks on your door, because we all know. That nobody blows it in any area of life quite like the way we blow it in relationship. <laughs> so I, no, <laughs> that's where we go off the rails the most. So if you're really ready for love, it's true. <laughs> it's, it's just so, so true. true. So it's like, oh yeah, you're really ready. Okay, well let's talk about those childhood. Tr- let's talk about those childhood wounds. What'd you learn from mommy and daddy? What's your attachment style? What are your defense mechanisms? What's your shame story? Let's go there because come hell or high water, when that person knocks on your door, they're going to bring it up. And are you going to be ready to heal that? Or are you going to go, oh, this isn't what I thought a soulmate was going to be because I was really obsessed with the form. Yeah, well, that's welcome to being a mature adult in a relationship, right? So that's what I would say. Yeah, tough love, baby. <laughs> wow. These things are so disillusioning for my Venus and Pisces oh, to hear. I know. Well, hey, I got that <laughs> Venus and Gemini girl, so it's probably in a perfect square. But but what's beautiful is actually I love Gemini Pisces coming together because we, it's the it's the it's the union of the verbal with the nonverbal and what's happening now in perfect reconciliation with one's potential. Because Gemini only sees like who the hell you are right the hell now. Right. Whereas Gemini, whereas Pisces knows what's available for you beyond. So I love seeing them as both. But yeah, I would say, okay, if you're ready for a soulmate, then let's start really teasing apart those psychological, emotional and spiritual tools so that you can handle the capacity of that connection when it arrives on your doorstep. And so let's say we don't take the call or like the relationship comes and we don't figure Mm -hmm. out how to walk Mm. that path. Does the universe just send us Mm. the same experience again until we learn? I would argue yes. But what I would actually say is if if you're at that moment where you go, where you say to yourself, I've been here before, 
Why am I in Groundhog Day? I'm having deja vu. This is the moment where I go into defense, right? Then it's important to introduce the concept of atonement or reconciliation or forgiveness here, right? Because what I love about uh, AA with the fourth step, and that's the fearless moral inventory, uh, the Catholics confess as they go along and the Jews have Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day of the year. And the Course in Miracles has the concept of atonement, which is the recognition of where you chose with fear and loveless behavior. And the, the bottom line among all of those symbols is that when we get clear with ourselves and the, and the universe and the God of our understanding and say, go back in our thinking, and this is where I made the mistake, the universe will undo all effects of that wrong decision if you give it over in peace. So I love that. Let's start there. Like, oh shit, I was a controlling, uptight, angry Leo Moon or whatever, right? Give it, give over those decisions, okay? And then trust that the universe will direct you to the appropriate circumstances, situations, and events to heal it. If you are still attracting those circumstances, that's a good thing because now you know, oh, this is where I can actually choose with love and not fear, apply the different behavior, Okay. And then I believe that you are less likely to attract those similar circumstances. Absolutely. Because I know we've probably seen in both of our lives that when we don't get a lesson with a particular person, we're going to meet someone just like him in 15 minutes wearing a different pair of pants, right? It's the same shit. It's the same wheel of death. Yeah. That's what the Buddha would call the wheel of suffering, attack, defense, attack, defense, right? When we get off the yeah. wheel of suffering, then we're not attracting that same racket anymore because we learned the lesson, we atoned for it, we took responsibility for it, and we make my wiser decisions where we're in the, where we're in the face of the possibility of reenacting it. Mm, <clears throat> wow. I feel like this will be good for people to hear in our current kind of Pluto-Saturn mm. dynamic mm. too, because just the intensity or the compulsion to judge might be yes, higher during totally. these times, you know, and an unconscious judgment too. And so the power of forgiveness is amazing and it's just such a good reminder. And it's, Absolutely. I'm wondering how you remember to stay consistent with this. Like, what does it look like in your life to kind of face these things or these repeating patterns and then shift no, them? That's such a great point. So I think it's important for any of us, if, especially if we're looking at the state of the world and our spiritual practice, is to know that we need to take it personally and we need to do it every day and we need to work at making our lives work. Right. So because the course is a curriculum and it has 365 workbook lessons, what this looks like in a day to day practice is I wake up every morning and I immediately go into the meditation space. I send love and joy to everybody that I'm going to meet that day, to all of my friends, to my colleagues, to the clients who I have. And then I begin the workbook lesson. And then that kind of trains my thinking to apply what these principles you know, set forth, uh, in my own life. And when I will get those assignments, as I often do, because the Course of Miracles says that each and every one of us are given a highly individualized spiritual curriculum. When I get those experiences, <clears throat> I know exactly what it feels like. And I say, okay, universe, help me. And then there's this prayer that I've now memorized. And can I re uh, repeat it? Cause I think it's really beautiful. Please. So the prayer says, yeah. I am here only to be truly helpful. I'm here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I will be healed as I let him teach me how to heal. Boom. And then if I'm in situations where I am triggered, I remember that prayer and the words come 
the feelings arrive, the behavior feels a little bit more tender, and I am staying in the cosmically ordered universe. And then my life just works. That is so right? beautiful. And then your life just works. But we also have to remember, life is very complicated and, and you know, nuanced and sp- like really multidimensional and annoying. But spiritual truth is very simple. The only way through peace is love and forgiveness. That's it, right? Anything other than that, you're going to be in trouble. Choose what? Choose wisely, <laughs> you know? So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the complexity and the simplicity, I love that because um, when I see you share astrology insights through videos on Facebook, Thank which you, are Sabrina. amazing and people should follow you, you on Facebook Thank so they you. can see that, um, you it's like you research and you're quoting things and you're, you're bringing in these like intellectual frameworks to understand things. So it's like the truth is simple, but then the kind of intellectual stimulation helps keep it fresh and like, you know, bring it home because there's these simple truths, but we might ignore them because, you know, everyone says the heart, does that really touch your heart? Or is there a way to say it in a certain way that brings in the point? That's so true. And I think, it's. Fr- I think there's really no way to do that personally without a disciplined spiritual practice first thing in the morning, whatever that looks like. Because The Course of Miracles says how enlightenment begins as a shift in perception from body identification to spirit identification. So that's the first one. And then we make the journey without distance from the head to the heart. So we know those truths about love and forgiveness. But again, how often do we make that distance from the head to the heart and actually put it into our nervous system, put it into our behavior, put it into our words, right? That's where the real maturity, the personal growth occurs. But it's through the hands, head, heart, hands. That's what I'm starting to say now. And when you apply it, it works. When it doesn't, you're in the same wheel of suffering. And then if you consider the possibility that there might be another way, then then it's immediately given you. And that's what I mean about the simplicity of it. Yes, life is very complicated. Yes, on the level of fear and worldly illusions, there's a lot of different nuance and clarification and separation. But from the ultimate spiritual reality, we are one. We are each other. If we act like it, we'll see the effects in our life. So let's give it a try sometime. So it sounds like you've had, like you've reached out to the universe for help and the universe has answered you. So how can people incorporate um, prayer into their life, especially if they're not like in a habit of praying or they haven't made that contact? I actually want to just give you uh, some kudos for a sec because you're such an engaged listener. Because I can be really long-winded and wordy Gemini, and then you get right to the point, Aries Sun, and you're like, but what about this symbolism and what's going on here, <laughs> right? So thank you for uh, helping me there. Yeah, I because let's be clear too, The Course in Miracles does use traditional Christian language. So for anybody who has any kind of discontent around that system, A, I totally understand because I'm a gay man and there's been no word weaponized against me quite like God right? So I totally understand. Uh, But when we reinterpret the symbolism to our own lives, it takes on a completely different meaning. So I'll I'll answer your question about prayer, but I just want to break down the Trinitarian system of the Course so that we understand what prayer is actually doing, right? So in, in traditional Christian language, we understood Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Father being God, the Son being Jesus, and the Holy Spirit being some invisible ether communication link, right? 
And it says like, God's the almighty. He only had one son, which is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit can, you know, take it or leave it. In tradition, in more uh, Course in Miracles language, God, Father, is the universe, the ultimate understanding. And yes, the idea here is that there was one begotten son, but we are all it. So that's the concept of oneness there. And Jesus represents within us the capacity to set ourselves free from fear and walk the earth with the thoughts of heaven only, which is what he as an avatar, as an enlightened master demonstrated to the world. Okay. And the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit represents the, uh, the, the perception corrector is what it's called because on the realm of love and the rebel on the realm of God, there's knowledge, ultimate knowledge, capital K. Right. Whereas when we're in worldly thinking, human thinking, we're on the level of perception. Not really accurate, but it's perceiving. We think we are. So when we pray, right, as the one begotten son, as we are all at, we being the oneness, we then invite an, an alternative thought system to enter into ours and restore the celestial order within our thinking. And then our perception changes to knowledge. And that's what prayer gives you is an intercession, a divine intercession from a thought system beyond our own. I mean, who wouldn't want that? That's that's wow. what it is. It's not like, dear God, help me with this. And hey, you totally could. You know, you could start there, right? But you could also really ask for your thoughts to be reinterpreted, for your emotions to be reinterpreted. We don't want to hold on to resentment, bitterness, anger, contempt, and blame. We don't want to. We don't know that we have another way, though. And yeah, sometimes it feels good, but does it really? No. So when we pray, what we're asking for is for that higher celestial order to reinterpret those emotions for us, to take it away. Because the law of free will states that no higher power can intervene without our explicit permission. And that's what prayer is. It's I invite you to enter into my thinking and help me because I don't want to hold on to this anymore. And boom, that's what changes for you. Wow. Okay. That is really helpful. I've been thinking so much about anger okay, recently because yeah. um, I just keep getting all these mm. teachings about it and people talking about anger. And so I've been thinking about it in okay. a slightly and different what, way. Um, but because what I have. Way are you thinking what? about it? Um, that it's fire, that it's yes. energy and learning how to harness it. And so, and it also gives clarity in terms of, oh, this doesn't work yes. for me. This isn't right. But the ego identification mm. with anger and like any kind of swirling, like, oh, I have to do this or that person, this, or, you know, that's where it gets yes. destructive. Um, but I have Mars mm. and Pisces, so I've been, you know, spiritualizing away <laughs> my anger for yes. my whole life, you know? And so it's like, I find it really interesting with any kind of, um, prayer practice or spiritual practice, how there's this complexity about how can you elevate your consciousness or surrender your thoughts to a more divine order, and then also still be a grounded, you know, being mm. on earth and get what, get what you have yes. to get done or, oh, so you know, good. not be in abusive situations. Yes, and, well, when we pray about it and we say, I am willing to have my emotionality reinterpreted here, sometimes the loving response is no. Sometimes the loving response is, I understand why you're angry and you're emotionally offloading now, but I want to tolerate this emotional abuse, so I'm leaving. But the difference between doing that out of the appetite and the adrenaline of anger versus the unbelievable moral authority and gravitas that can only come from out of this world is that when you own your no and say, we're done here, 
then the universe just works through you like a great alchemizer and transforms all circumstances, situations, and events to empower your no. Right? Does that answer your question a little bit? Yes. Especially as an Aries son, I do not want you to lose your spark. I don't want you. I don't think anger in and of itself is a bad thing, right? Because Brene Brown, one of my other most inspiring figures, always says that anger is a wonderful catalyst, but a terrible lifelong companion. So when we're feeling anger, which is Mm. probably often because we're not enlightened masters, you know, so we're going to get it. We just want to say, what is this here to teach me? Do I want to hold on to it any longer? Probably not. Okay. And what divine power can I use to release it, transform it, and direct me to a place of higher boundaries, more integrity, and moral authority? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I love that. It's I so Saturn. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of that, I'd love to know a little bit more about how you combine astrology with oh, the Course that's of Miracles. Great. So I think that I, I think what's really beautiful is at their peak, right? We should be saying the same thing because it's spiritual truth. And, and, and it does. They really do. They, they intersect beautifully, right? So my kind of equation, though, is I love to look at the transits of what's happening and then connect it to a pertinent principle in A Course in Miracles in the workbook or just another universal spiritual theme. Because it's not my primary source material. It, it, it definitely it's, it takes up a lot of my time. But it's not the only thing that I love to read about as well to kind of connect. So I start with the transit. Uh, like right now, uh, the, the Mars-Neptune square is really fascinating me. So I actually connected it to the principles related to uh, choosing discomfort over resentment, right? So just thinking about ways in which I can connect a transit to a pertinent secular solution. Uh, But I do find myself more often than not connecting transits to workbook lessons and A Course in Miracles because it really always comes down to who have I now forgiven? Where did I go off the rails? Why am I asking other people to serve my needs as I define them? Who do I think I am? And get over yourself. (laughs) Speaking of Saturn, go ahead. Yeah. Well, well, this just makes, I know, you know, with being an astrologer, you can look at the transits and tune into advice to work with the transits that has nothing to do with astrology language. It's this amazing thing that astrologers can do, but it's really cool because, um, again, just to like plug those videos, they're amazing. Thank you so much. Like, um, Yeah. I mean, you don't always talk about astrology in them or sometimes it's very minimal, but then you talk about like just a useful kind of healing technique or something about um, interpersonal skills that really sticks with me. And it's like, it's delivered on time because you're tuning into the transit. Right. So maybe thank you so much for saying that. That means the world to me because one of my, uh, shame triggers is like, damn, will I ever be like a specialist? Because I love to kind of like pull things together and make it more multidimensional and cross disciplinary and things like that. So I would love to have a video where I just like totally go into one transit, one sign, one this and that. But that's just not where the universe kind of calls me to go. And I think that's something really beautiful right now for any spiritual practitioner or metaphysician is to connect the dots to other places because the heart is sleeping the most right now. And I'm seeing this in a lot of my clients' lives when they say, that's so interesting that Sabrina and Colin were talking about that because my therapist just brought that up from a book that was recommended to them. Boom. And when we see the connections, that's when we actually, I think, take it very seriously. Because most, right? And most people, yeah, sure, they could be absolutely fluent in astrology. But if the listener doesn't understand your mastery, who are you helping? And is this a spirit of service or is this totally a spirit of self-indulgence, navel gazing? Like, which one is it, you know? 
And I'm just of the belief where if you can't communicate it in layman's terms, you don't know it well enough. Very Gemini, right? Wow. Very Gemini of us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Make it applicable, make it resonant, make it inclusive. Look at the state of the world today right now. And do any of us have the right to say, you know, they really need to get the words more correctly. No, we don't have time for that. So let's, to the best of our capability, articulate astrological truths related to secular and spiritual systems of personal development to people who need to hear it and be a part of the solution that is affecting the spiritual community and the spiritual crisis we have right now. Hmm. So this may be a whole kind of worms, but what is the spiritual crisis that Uh, we're experiencing? I think it's exactly what you said in that we are ignoring and denying and disengaging from the fact that we are all one. There is an inextricable connection link between ourselves and every single sentient being on the face of the planet. And if we really made decisions from that value what would our political, cultural world look like right now? Completely different than what we see right now. And especially when people disagree with us, that's where it's the hardest and that's where it's the most needed, right? Because we think, well, just because we disagree with them, then I can say what I want and I control and I can emotionally offload and dehumanize and disengage and get really angry. But the Course of Miracles says, you think a sword is falling over their head, but rest assured, this the sword is falling over yours. Because when we attack those who disagree with us, who are we ultimately attacking? Ourselves. Which is why the primary responsibility of a disciplined spiritual seeker is to heal the contempt that they have against the other and go straight to work into contributing how their gifts and abilities can most serve the collective. Wow. That is so powerful. I really feel too with like the the Saturn-Pluto climate, just like... I think we are being called to step up and bring our gifts into the world and to heal any of the shame also that's keeping us from sharing our gifts with the world or the like, who am I? Imposter syndromes. And I like what you said too, in terms of could one be, you know, really a thoughtful astrologer and then still connect it to, you know, more intellectual and theoretical basis of research and, and psychology? Of course. If not you, who? Right? Like who else is going to do it? If these are things that yeah. you love and 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 you're getting an, an advanced degree in this for crying out loud. Right? So you are doing the work. You are <laughs> part of the collective solution. And I think as spiritual seekers, what we also have to then really manage is that delicate tension between acknowledging and understanding the pain of others or the anger and the contempt of others, but not enrolling in their ultimate version of reality where we can say, I hear you. I acknowledge this and I validate your pain, though what really we're talking about here is the forgiveness of this person and you taking responsibility for the part that you played. Because you just talked about Saturn and Pluto. If those are the primary energies right now, should we be talking about like self-care and boundaries and pushing people away? No, right? We want to take radical responsibility for ourselves so that we can transform it. That's the Saturn Pluto Mad Lib game, right? Yeah, that's such a good point. I feel like the self-care and um, pushing people out of your life, you know, like I had a Pluto transit in 2012 and still kind of in it, but there was a period of time where I could feel spirit directing me towards like cut out these situations, make these huge life changes, don't look back. And then the next level was like, 
you can't burn through life all of the time like that. Eventually, the lesson is about reconciliation and teamwork and cooperation. Though I do feel like I emerged from a weird kind of swamp where it was like, Nothing needs to happen here except yes. leaving and saying no and to the you know situation. What, Sabrina, I want to yeah. actually like put a footnote in that and said that was of spirit because in in a very kind of non-emotionally charged way, you could argue that it was just the universe's way of saying your relationship assignment with these people are complete. Now you can leave. We're not angry. We're not judging. We're not stigmatizing these people. We're just simply acknowledging that the lessons are complete. And so if you stay too long, it's not actually going to contribute to your highest good. So you can leave now with good form. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I feel like um, moving towards spiritual practices or like, you know, adding more like light into life Mm. in that way or like the opening that occurs from that does tend to illuminate like the shadow or the unconscious. Um, and it almost, it makes us level up because you, you get these spiritual insights and then you can see your life in a different way and you have to change. And then you have to make space for the context of this new frequency that you are suddenly specific to, you know, and that's not again to go into, Oh, I'm so evolved and everybody else isn't, but it is just simply acknowledging you've done the work. Congratulations. So now make sure that you rise to the occasion of that work and allow the appropriate circumstances, situations and events to be magnetized to you. And this makes me think about the the last uh, full moon cycle that we had having two in Libra and really recognizing that there is no spiritual practice, but through other people. That's the only way we learn. That's the only way that we really get a grip of what these principles and values and understanding is, is through our relationship to others. Relationships to spiritual practice. There is no coming into conscious contact with the divine and the God of your understanding, but through the people in front of you. And if it's a, something as simple as saying, I love you very much and I'm very grateful for the relationship that we had, but I see no reason why we need to stay in physical proximity right now, so I will just gratefully and lovingly leave the room, so be it. But it's still... Th- yeah. That's grace. It doesn't necessarily happen no, that No, but hey, if one, if one that morning said the prayer, did the meditation, knowing full well, I'm going to have a tough conversation with the person who triggers me those words will fly out of your mouth. It, it blows me away. It really does because we've, we've prayed, we've allowed the divine intercession to come through and these principles can't but work when we use them. That's amazing. That's oh, so inspiring. Yeah, it's and I'm just the messenger, right? Like it's just these things work and it's not, it's not personal towards me. It's, it's applicable to anybody. So yeah, give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely will. I also want to know, so you've recently completed a book about astrology compatibility. um, And I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on, I mean, people have a a preconception Mm -hmm. of what compatibility might be like with astrology or even compatibility in general. So just what your take is and what that people can expect. from Yeah. Thank you for asking. I am a firm believer that there is no such thing as bad compatibility. I think that we can all learn how to connect deeply with other people. Because we're adults, like, let's play the big game, babies, right? Like, let's go there. Uh, So I, in my book, Queer Cosmos, The Astrology of Queer Identities and Relationships, I uh, really just kind of outlined the seven relationship dynamics. So it's conjunct, in conjunct, trine, square, sextile, quincunx, polarity. I think I named them all. (laughs) 
I want to make sure I did. And just the kind of key concepts of all of them and connected it to uh, secular theories around relationship connection and relationship uh, theory, which I love because I love, like we said, merging the spiritual and the secular. And then I actually, because I made it more so connected to love and compatibility, I organized all of the relationship combinations to Esther Perel, Aries woman, uh, research into love and desire as two seemingly separate uh, relationship needs in the sense that if one loves one another, they need to reduce separation and increase closeness, affection, trust, understanding, curiosity, warmth, wonder, all of that, right? And which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But sometimes it becomes a natural antidote to desire because we become very familiar with one another and thus we stop wanting one another. So Esther then says that desire, in order to be maintained, has to have a kind of bridge of mystery, separation, uh, really feeling like one stays unknown and not revealing actually too much. Right. So I organized all of those uh, sign combinations by uh, kind of arguing which sign is more compatible, which is more efficient at uh, desire and love, uh, where they're going to get into trouble related to disclosure, where they're going to get in trouble related to perhaps like forgiveness and accountability. But here's the practices to overcome that. Right. Because I think people want to want others. They just don't know how. We don't have the tools. And I totally understand that. So with this book, I tried to bring together some of the most influential leaders right now on relationship theory and technology and connected to specific astrological sign uh, dynamics. And hopefully uh, it resonates with people. My heart just opened about the Gemini archetype in a whole new <laughs> oh, way. Really? Tell me why. Is <laughs> that that synthesis and yeah. um, what you were saying about combining the spiritual and the secular, and knowing, you know, sometimes when I see your, mostly when I see your work, because I don't think I've asked you yet. This is the yeah, first time I've interviewed it. you, right? About kind of your method that. I'm just like amazed and I'm in awe of what you're doing and to hear that. (laughs) Seriously, you you are so (laughs) brilliant. I told you the moon Mars essay lives in my bones when I couldn't even tell you how badly I needed to hear that, but go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no worries. Um, I was talking about methods and how (laughs) I combine secular and spiritual. Oh, yeah, that it's just it's really inspiring to hear that. So it's like having a um, a plan and then executing it. And here's like your yes. strategies. And I've been thinking about new writing projects recently. And in my Mercury and Pisces fashion, you know, I'm just kind of like <laughs> in this kind of dream cloud. But I know like Virgoing it up and like making it really um, yes. orderly is really totally. empowering. So sometimes I just forget that because my natural mercurial inclination but is more towards that. But you want to honor that, that too, Sabrina, because you know what? That is what yeah. allows you to be such a gorgeous, poetic, inclusive, and esoteric writer, right? That That is your chart. You want to honor it because it works beautifully for you. Absolutely, right? And then, yeah, you know, every once in a while, I'll be like, well, damn, have I actually done anything today about this? Or have I been in total enchantment land, right? So then, yeah, they, right, there That's you go. The thing, yeah. But you are because you're recording <laughs> this podcast and you're getting your graduate education. I mean, hello, that is huge. So much work needs to be done there. And yeah, I, I, I think to that point of really honoring your method, because no one has our voice, no one has your story, no one has your research interest. And when we really merge all of that together, who couldn't you be but a success? 
right? Like, Thank of you. course, it's, it has to work yeah. this way. And I think that's what's so beautiful about astrology is it says, hey, bring these things together that you thought were seemingly separate and then watch out how hungry people are going to be for this. Because I'll be really honest with you, Sabrina, mm. I've had a lot of people as soon as my career, I don't, yeah, really, as soon as it started, tell me like, lower the content, lower the registrar, people are done. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to speak. See? People told me that too. And yeah. I also and you know said what? No. I'm sure someone reading right now is like, oh my God, they, you know, someone told me that too. And I think that's such a disservice because I think people actually are so hungry for the real thing instead of everybody flying around giving the ersatz version. And then when people find out that you're contributing something of meaning and intellect and depth, they are with you. They're on the ride with you. And sure, if they don't get it every once in a while, they Google it. I mean, how this is what we do when we learn new things, right? We, of course, that's why we're learning. We didn't know it before. But yeah, really just to keep the content high because that's what people need. So sorry, going on my soapbox, but yeah. No, I totally agree. I had the same when I first started writing about astrology, some people who were just like well-meaning and wanted to see me succeed, but didn't really understand astrology would read my stuff. And they're like, your work doesn't really make sense. I think you should make it more accessible. And I was like, no, like, I'm just gonna like, I literally feel a channel moving through me. I feel electrical pulses through my body when I write and I write the things that make me feel alive. And then I put it out into the universe. And because I felt so alive writing it, someone is going to enjoy reading it and it will be the person who electrically resonates with it. Like the universe will connect us. So I'm just not really concerned. I mean, I think though, back to what you were saying about accessibility, building bridges and synthesizing things and creating portals for people to be invited into this content that may be somewhat esoteric um, is just the necessity, you know, build some steps up to it, but still create the high quality content. I'm so glad you didn't portray your integrity and voice with your content. So I want to, you know, just give you congratulations there. And secondly, I'm in really, I'm not in the business of like converting critics into astrology believers or anything like that. But I do believe one of the systems that can help but really just radically transform the conversation is when astrologers come very prepared with the right level of social research and data and information so that they can be both an intellect and an astrology practitioner. And who can deny, who can take anything away from a person who straddles both, who straddles both and who occupies that tension? It's true. It's like the trickster because they'll be um, people who are swayed or inspired by that are like, oh, this really smart, thoughtful person is into astrology. I thought astrology wasn't legit. Exactly. And I think we need to really know that it can be done, especially if you have a lot of mutable energy in your chart, which fortunately we do. (laughs) But it really is one of the ways I think that people can start to take this conversation more seriously. Because trust you me, you know, astrologers have a lot to contribute in the realm of personal development, collective healing, insight and all of that. And the sooner we start infighting and actually, you know, connecting to more pertinent and secular information, speaking in a language that people understand, the more that our message will be taken seriously. And I think that's what's needed in the world today. That's awesome. I have to say, like, part of why I'm in grad school right now is to be able to explain astrology from a different perspective. And it's taken me years. But before I could really figure that out, my strategy is just to befriend people, be friendly, like vibe with them on a human level. And then when they find out that I'm an astrologer, it kind of 
there's something about meeting an astrologer and you've yes. never met an astrologer that sparks people in some way. They're like, oh, I crossed paths yes. with an astrologer. Yes. Maybe it's, Yes. You know. And then you know what's so, so beautiful is thank God they met you, Sabrina, because you have such a wonderful impact on others. And, and, and you then become a representative, a, a high priestess of this community. And then, no, really. Oh, my God. And that's, it's, <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's I'm true. Like it's what, it's yeah. what happens. And, like, that's when – because people don't connect to the book. They connect to the person in it. And if people look at you and see their story reflected in you and see the light in your eye and the warmth that you give them and the empathy and the kindness, that is what's going to invite them to consider the possibility that the way that you live your life could help them too. And that's not to say we need to convert everybody. My own twin sister doesn't give two rats asses about astrology, but we're still best friends. It's okay. You know, and that's fine. But it does just simply say, like, the impact you have on others is the is the greatest source of success and accuracy of the system. Because if you want to go for real, for real, that's what I believe about astrology is I always look at the astrologers social skills, the social technique that they have to know how well they operationalize the system. Because for me, it only comes down to relationships as the true measurement of their success in the understanding, period. Yeah, that's so true. It's like, can you actually help people with the work that you're doing? And astrology can be very academic right. or very knowledge based. And then you have to be able to bring the warmth. And 100%. It to and that's not to say you need to be a counseling astrologer. You don't need to go in consultation. But I'm watching the way people interact with others. And if you have an antisocial, you know, bite to you, or just a kind of critical contempt resonant field, then I know that you really don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I really think astrology is filtered through the consciousness of yes, astrologers, yes. you know, like it's yes. real, it's out there and astrologers are messengers for it. So the quality, um, or not quality, I guess like the essence of the astrologer and yes. as a personality is going to distill the message. Mm -hmm. So if someone is carrying around contempt in their field, they might have really scary predictions, you know, versus ones that are going to open up exactly. possibility. And, and I yeah. love that you said that too, because then it would inspire me to say, so then if you're an astrologer, you're always going to have a unique voice because no one has your chart. So if it's being channeled and infiltrated through your consciousness, you have something meaningful to say. And what, what's beautiful about that too, is that means nobody has a monopoly on the merit of the system. Everybody's got a particular je ne sais quoi that they need to contribute because that's the chart. That's the nature of the system is individualization and collectivity. Right. Mm. And how, yeah, and that's true yes. for everyone. Just yeah, in you have yeah. to let your nature shine. Another thing I wanted to ask you is how you've walked through your Saturn return being, you know, you knew about Saturn and Saturn yes, return before it yes. happened. So what was it like to go through this I'm consciously? Yeah, I'm currently undergoing it because I am a Saturn retrograde 13 degrees cap. So it was uh, direct in 13 degrees cap on January 15th. Uh, it will retrograde, my gosh, next Wednesday, right? Or was it this Wednesday? <laughs> because I write horoscopes, I... I yeah, think it's I, like, this I don't week. know what day it is. <laughs> I, I know it's going to happen. I'm like, but what's today's day? Because I just did something two weeks ago. That's how right? I feel about transits. People ask me when things are happening, and I'm like, I don't know. I wrote about it. <laughs> I know. We go over to like Gemini La La Land. I don't know. Let me look at my time passages. Um, no, I think it is retrograde because it's Saturn and Pluto. Yeah, I think it's both. Um, so, but it, it's going to go on to November. And I think I've actually felt really solidified. I have felt 
beautifully supported Sabrina. I, I mean, I do, I, I could show you, I do have a Saturn tattoo. So maybe, you know, it was the price of admission and I'm also, I'm a Capricorn dominant chart. So I love this kind of energy, but I have felt just legitimized, validated, supported. Um, it's been, it, it's been beautiful. And I really feel like I am coming into the fullest version of my adulthood. I feel, uh, I feel just really peaceful actually isn't that nuts a sad return but i yeah that's great i mean you've been doing the work i've been trying you know like you've built consistency you You, like produce amazing content and thank you yeah so i just see like on facebook a new video will come up with you or like you were on like mtv recently and i was just like thank you i know and that's what's felt really beautiful about the saturn return because i kind of feel like when a planet returns i'd love to know your story on this as well it audits your energy in that field and if you're doing well and you are actually you know paying your taxes doing the work you know really expressing the finest energy there you will get certified legitimized validated beautifully if you're not, you will more than likely get your ass handed to you, right? So I was just not afraid to really work my butt off. I mean, I just submitted my book two days ago, started in November. So I have just been t- put my head to the ground and just really made sure that I uh, utilize this extraordinary opportunity and work my butt off and like no party time, no excuses, no nothing. And it's felt amazing. And all of these wonderful work opportunities are occurring. And, you know, sometimes I feel guilty. I'm like, oh, I wish I had a greater social life, work life balance, this and that. But then I look at my chart and I'm like, but that's not what the universe is asking of me right now. So I need to get to work until September and then we'll, we'll feel good about it. And I'm just trying to practice all of the Saturn values as best as I can. Discipline, integrity, reliability, consistency, like you said, no excuses, taking radical tenor for the for who I am and what I'm doing. And it's been beautiful. I love Saturn energy. I really do. It's also made me more emotional. Isn't that funny? But, you know, sea goat as both mountain climber and sea dweller, it's made me feel a greater sense of reverence for emotionality, for the expression of empathy, for just the human heart in general through work, through service. And I hope everyone has uh, a wonderful Santa return, truly, because mine is going beautifully. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love that you've just aligned with the weather. So like you're like, all right, I'm just going to work and you don't have to second guess that or dissociate from that being your reality right now because you will have another season in life social. that's more social exactly. life focused. No, I love that. It's, a, it's aligning with the weather. And then what's been really amazing too is before, you know, I knew I needed to make that decision. It was so crazy. I was getting a group dinner with friends. And as soon as I got there, the universe said, you better enjoy this because after this, you're staying in your house all day. And you are not going to do this again. Okay. So I started feeling guilty. Like, oh God, if I say no and blah, 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 blah. And of course, Sabrina, all of my friends were like, of course we understand. Like you got a book to do. Like we get it. And, and immediately translated as successful in my life experience. And I made up this whole story in my head that people are going to be upset with me. And like, you know, who does he think he is? But it didn't go like that. Right. Yeah. And it also shows the the success of like the life that you've cultivated in terms of the people uh, that you have around you. That's a good point you, too. I know. You know? Very, so that, yeah. They say New Yorkers are mean and there's a lot of, you know, nasty competitiveness here. I don't find that at all. I see such warmth. See? I didn't find that. You know, my family, when we were in New York, one of the things we commented on was like, everyone yes. here is really nice. We don't know what right. people are talking about. 
<laughs> you know, and I was born and raised here, as you can tell in the way that I speak so eloquently. Uh, no, I, you know, I have never, of course, we've run into a regular asshole here and there, but like, there's a real directness and just a real like, hey, let me help you. What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And I love it. I wouldn't, I, I don't think I could live anywhere else. Yeah, I love, I love the vibe. It. I've been a West Coaster my whole life. And hey, it works <laughs> so for you. And it I works for you beautifully. <laughs> you are so, and, and wherever, yeah. go wherever you're happy. Go wherever your soul is home. Oh, okay. I love New York. I'm just trying to think if I could keep up with the pace. I've got like Taurus Moon too. I just like yeah, to kind so, of chill. I, yeah, it, it, it I, is aggressive. Yeah. Let me tell you, like one week, Sabrina, feels like a month. I'm not kidding. I'm, I'll it's just incredible. look back and I'll be like, what I, the yeah. hell? All of that was in five days? It's insane how quickly time moves here, like a vortex. Was, speaking of not being guilty <laughs> for working a lot, too, I had a mentor tell me um, during – it was a, a few years back, but it really stuck with me where he was saying, like – you have so much energy because you're young. Like, why not work really oh, hard right now? Point. Like, yes. And like, why would I shame myself for having this extraordinary professional opportunity? Like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm 29 yeah. years old. This is exactly what it is. Like become an adult, work your ass off so that in your thirties, you can, you know, dick around with as many friends as you want. But right now you got to pay your cost of admission, which is writing this effing book. <laughs> so, so speaking yeah. of your book, um, how can people connect with the work that you've done? You already yes, have one you. book yes, out I do. too, right? So that was a little bit of astrology. So. It was just a kind of quick intro, chronicle, storytelling uh, adventure into the Zodiac. And it's amazing, no, I, by I, the I, way. Before we recorded, <laughs> I don't cry a lot, but Sabrina's review brought tears to my eyes. Like, I, I, I sent it to my family. <laughs> I was just like, look at what this wonderful Aries said. Da, da, da. Anyway, the second book... Uh, I'm going to leave the review in the show notes. Just, so I want people to read your book. Me. Oh my God, I almost <laughs> collapsed. Um, the second book comes out this November, uh, November 12th. And you can find me on QueerCosmos.com, on Facebook, uh, which is my first and my last name, Colin Bedell, C-O-L-I-N. My last name is B-E-D-E-L-L. And Queer Cosmos on all the social media channels, all one word. So Q-U-E-E-R-C-O-S-M-O-S. Awesome. Definitely go follow Colin, everyone. You will learn really amazing things and you'll learn them at just the perfect timing, too. Oh, <laughs> uh, that I never even knew that that was like going on. So thank you for that feedback. But, you know, it would make sense, right? Because the transit calls for this experience. Yeah. yeah, totally. So thank you for sharing that. All right. Thank you so much, Colin. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. <laughs> Me too. Uh, you are such a wonderful interviewer, a beautiful listener, and the world is so grateful for your contributions to the field. Your Moon Mars essay inspired me to be really brave, which I could tell you when it's not being recorded, <laughs> but you're just outstanding and I appreciate everything that you do. Oh my so God, thank, thank you. you. You are just like pure sunshine. I just get so happy and uh, uplifted whenever I'm in contact with you or just even reading your work. So thank you so much for sharing your radiance. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for receiving it well. I, I love, love you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Love you too. Bye. So let's create some miracles, everyone. Thank you for listening. Feel free to get in touch with us and let us know what you thought. Colin is Queer Cosmos on Instagram, and I'm Sabrina Monarch. 
If you've been enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and a review on iTunes. I'm working on a gift to share with reviewers. So in the meantime, if you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll keep track that you reviewed and make sure to extend that review gift to you when it's ready. Aries life, you know, running with it. Do check out my upcoming Evolutionary Astrology Intensive. It's an online 45-hour intensive coming up in June designed to give you the vocabulary and skill set to start forming your own astrological interpretations from the perspective of the soul. I created this course because I wanted other people to have the opportunity to have a deep personal connection to astrology, which would empower them to have astrology as a personal and spiritual growth tool as something to keep long after the course is over. Past students have reported that this course is life-changing and has supported them on their spiritual path. You can read more about the course and enroll on my website, monarchastrology.com, and I'll leave a link um, specifically to the course in the show notes. Love you. Have a miraculous day.